Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. All right, listeners, this is a very special episode, not only because of the issue we're covering, but we have the two hosts trapped <laughs> trapped with us we have forced them to do this they tried to get out of it <laughs> we made a trap door we did a classic drop in like from a hellboy comic yeah pull a <laughs> candelabra and you can look down on the heinz brothers <laughs> uh, i'm one of the heinz brothers thanks for having me my name is will I, I'm the other one. My name's Kevin. I'm uncomfortable with the amount of energy that you guys have for hosting a podcast. I feel like Will and I don't have that. <laughs> oh, man. We've never lived at this energy level. No. <laughs> you seem too happy and have emotions. And Well, we're going to pull them out of you, okay? Good luck. Never. <laughs> Negatory. <laughs> it's a great challenge that we'll never complete. Um, you guys are the um, hosts of the wonderful, one of um, definitely one of me and Kate's favorite podcasts. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Ooh, thank you. That's, that's, an, that's an accurate statement. Uh, we were lucky enough to go on your podcast and talk about a, a fun um, issue. So, of course, we got, we we're like, we got to trap them and get them on this. Trap these guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, by the way, I think as we're recording this, number two of, or no, is it number two of the Master Planner series is dropping? Today. Today it is. Yeah. Um, are you guys, you guys, I'm going to tell you, you built up to this story so much. <laughs> you have been talking about it since the day one. I'm going to agree with you. I'm too issue. I'm, I read along with you guys. I like it a lot. <laughs> Thank God. Because we really have overhyped this thing. I was actually thinking that today on our next ep- issue, I'm going to have to just address the fact that we've hyped up this trilogy. I don't think we can. That next issue is too good. I'm going to hype it up more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it. I've had, we've had a couple people say that they found at least part one to be <laughs> not that big a deal. Underwhelming. And, uh, well, it's all set up like you guys yeah. point out. But I mean, I was really proud of myself that like at the, the little teaser at the end of the first issue of like who Master Planner was that I was like, it's this. And when I, when I turned to this issue too, and I, who, and I was right. I was like, Doc Ock. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like a child that was so proud of himself. <laughs> you, you, solved, you solved the mystery. Um, I, thanks so much for listening to any of our podcasts. And, uh, and that particular trilogy, issues 31, 32, and 33, Kevin and I are like self-appointed missionaries for the whole world to read those issues. So, Kate... Get on it. I mean, if you want to step away from this, um, when you get a chance, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I, and you, the whole as the whole world, uh, and also you don't have to. But I mean, like we, we, we Kate, love this particular Spider-Man. I would say, Kate, if you wanted to step away from this podcast for a little bit and go read them, that'd probably be the polite thing to do. We'll let you read it in real time, <laughs> and we'll allow the silence just to be in this episode. Just anyway, the sound uh, of turning pages. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course, it's a pleasure. Um, Kate, this would be a good time to step away to read that issues if Bye. you want, because we're going to ask you guys, I just, we want to hear from you two um, about your relationship with Hellboy and like your history with him. Like, when did you pick up Hellboy um, and how much have you read of him? Kevin, why don't you go first? I love this question. Sure. Um, I, I bought the first uh, whatever miniseries when it came out in an issue form. Um because it was part of the Dark Horse, like, was it already part of the Legends uh, imprint that they sort of 
faked together from all like their high profile creators. It, it may or may not have been. I'm not uh, sure about that, but I I feel like I've seen the lo- that legend logo on those original issues. So yeah. you might be right. It, it definitely was attached at some point to Hellboy as well as to like anything John Byrne did and Arthur Adams, Monkey Man and O'Brien. Um, and I was just buying like Dark Horse had sort of a little coup of grabbing great creators to do creator owned stuff. So I was kind of buying them all. And I think did Hellboy have a, a backup story? Uh, yeah, My, it was. Who did you just say? The uh, Monkey, Monkey Man, Man and O'Brien? Yeah, yeah, that was that the might have story. actually been what lured me in because I really liked Art Adams. I really liked Art Adams' work, and I uh, yeah, that and I knew so Mike. Cool. I Mike Mc, I knew Mike Mignola, but not as well. So I was like, oh, this is an issue I'll buy. And then I kind of got sucked into the whole thing, and and I bought. I switched to trade paperbacks after that first miniseries, and I bought them all. I guess uh, all the Hellboy ones, at least. And then BPRD, I read up through when our John or Curdy left writing it. I haven't read um, the newer stuff. I have now I'm lately having trouble keeping track of it all. Kevin, this is your brother. Yes, your I will. Your knowledge of comics always stuns me. Like, I think that you know more proper nouns and actual breakdowns than like anybody. And I love it. Like when you, you've, you've, when I emailed you that I recently was reading, um, some, some, I'm, I'm reading some recent Hellboy trades, like recently catching up after having taken a break, yeah. uh, like that, like the Hellboy and the BPRD night, the year ones, they have some that are just called like 1948, 1949, yeah. 1950, they're like Hellboy prequels sort of. And, um, I mentioned that to Kevin. He's like, oh yeah, since John Arcudi left, I got a little less interested because I feel that they focus more on plot, less on character. Just like instantly so knowledgeable <laughs> of like <laughs> where I was in the series. a strong opinion. That's and I, I love it. I love it yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, the downside to that is there's so much that I don't know if I remember like it, any particular storyline. I'm like, I don't remember what happens in that yeah, storyline, but I've read it all. The whole universe like expands into the BPRD stuff and there's so many spinoffs and things that it's, in your head, it can feel sort of unwieldy. It kind of, it, it's kind of a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, uh, but I love it. I do love it too. I think when we started the podcast, we were planning on just maybe doing the the Hellboy arc, but then in, with luckily having listeners, we we're like, well, we gotta, we have to now like jump into the boat of that big world. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, if you wanted to, you could go forever. Uh, I also love the question, uh, Dave. Um, what is your relationship to the character? Because I, I do think that. That that's what gets you really hooked into anything, like be it music or comics or books or movies. Like you have a relationship with the work of art, like in absorbing it and then revisiting it and identifying with it. Uh, then you start to identify with the people who made it and the story of its creation. I, I certainly feel that way about like albums that I love. Like I want to know like, well, who are the musicians on it and how did it come to be? And uh, Hellboy is a really special comic. I, I don't, I was not in as early as Kevin I actually don't remember what turned me on to it. I feel like I knew of the image of Hellboy from seeing him like in ads and stuff long before I had read the comic and just had the completely wrong picture of what his personality was going to be. I thought it was going to be this, you know, dark, gritty, violent, demonic, like, isn't, aren't we badasses for journeying into the, you know, forbidden mythos kind of vibe? Yeah. And maybe Kevin, I'm sure at some point you told me about it. And then when I, just bought a trade, the first trade, whatever that one is, Seed of Destruction. I was so pleasantly surprised at how funny and human and warm, and certainly a lot of the villains do go into like dark, creepy, gothic 
things, but that's almost more visual. The personalities of everybody is so happy and and it's, it's more like Ben Grimm, the thing than, than, um, a heavy metal cover, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's like a vulnerable. It's not like Lobo or something. Yeah, it's exactly. More, it's not like yeah. alpha. It's not yeah. tough. It's, it's, um, there's a sweetness to it that I, that there's also me. a nonchalance to I think Hellboy yeah. <laughs> for someone who's, and it, it's definitely present in this story that we just read. Um, but he just sort of like takes so much in stride. I mean, I guess he's a demon, but so maybe that's part of the reason, but it just feels sort of like, yep, yeah, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's his job. Yeah. It is such a, just a, the thing I love about Hellboy and that has hooked me, hooked me right away with Seed of Destruction and that I've loved ever since is the, you know, the very central story of Hellboy. He is a demon from hell who wholeheartedly and without guilt rejects the story that other people want for him and has made his own. Uh, he wants to be a trench coat wearing, cigar chomping, American gumshoe who's on the side of the good guys and he doesn't want to get intellectual about it and he doesn't need to know your curse or your centuries long birthright. He's just going to punch you in the face <laughs> on behalf of the nice people. And um, it is just such a great irony at the center of the story that makes, that makes every issue awesome. Plus he says boom out loud when he punches people. And I think that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has a, a childish to him, childish side of him. <laughs> I love it. I just, it's just one of the great comic book creations. Not, not to mention Mike Magnolia's art is insanely beautiful. Yeah. 100% agree with all of that. You guys hit on a lot of like what we love about him um, or his humanity and that nonchalance list. I think that's the first time it's been put that way and it really uh, yeah. describes, we just love how cavalier well, he like is every fucking, time he It's is. like a taxi driver who's like seen everything and he's like not even disturbed by it at this point like he's just kind of he's the implication is that he's been like walking around since like the 50s just seeing all this crazy stuff and doing it and it's like doesn't doesn't phase him anymore he's cool he's cool yeah um <laughs> and because i've read so much of it now like i haven't read this story in a while and i go back and when i first read them i think the superpowered characters stood out to me of course hellboy abe sapien um, Liz Sherman, uh, Liz Sherman, of course. Uh, but now I'm reading this one, and Kate Corrigan's in it, who I don't think resonated with me until BPRD, mm -hmm. uh, the solo series, and then in all her parts in the story, I get really caught up in her. Yeah. And she's, she seems almost like fodder, a fodder character in the story. But I'm like, no, oh, no, take care of Kate. Yes. Yeah. The the world of the uh, BPRD. What now? What is it? The Bureau of Paranormal uh, Research and Defense, or something like? Yeah, that? that's correct. Like the whole idea that there's just a bunch of college professors, academics who have like sort of teamed up Ghostbusters style to explore the paranormal. And they are a combination of nerds and Indiana Jones. They bring a sort of like workman, like punch in the clock every day to like journey into actual hell that they are all. Yeah. Initially they are background characters and then later they get their own stories and you go back and like, these people are the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting through doing the podcast, how much people um, like you um, love the side characters like Kate Corrigan. I think as soon as we posted her first story, people that's like most of the, the comments were just her name with exclamation yeah. points. <laughs> I can't wait to get to her BPRD stuff. Cause I feel like, I mean, he, I think he treats her like, 
pretty respectfully here. She like gets to kind of, she likes like if he introduces her as agent and then she also emphasizes professor when she's introduced here. So like <laughs> she kind of get like you get her personality, but I can't wait to learn more about her. She's, totally. Yeah. She's wonderful. <laughs> um, so very quickly, I read all the original Hellboy trades. Then when the BPRD world spun off, I got a little lost in it. I read a little bit of it and I really loved it, but I, I needed a break more for just, I was at just time wise. Yeah. Stepped away. Um, and then I would, I basically come back whenever I see that Magnolia's drawn one. Um, and then I'll, I'll get lost in the world and catch up a little bit. So I've, I've never read all the BPRD stuff. Uh, I've enjoyed everything I have. Um, and now thanks to Dave recommending Hoopla, which is this online place. I'm going to read everything because it's all available if you have an LA library card. And uh, I'm so thrilled. I'm going to read everything. (laughs) Yeah. I've read too much now because of Hoopla and I love it. (laughs) When when Guy Davis was drawing the BPRD stuff, I just got more sucked into the Hellboy world. Uh, I loved, I mean, I really loved that run as much as anything that Mignon wrote and drew himself. Uh, it was so good. Yeah, I agree. I haven't read all of it. Long and insane. Yes, very long. It's so, there's so much. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth getting to the end, at least of Hell on Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? That was the second one, right? War on Frog. The War of Frogs is... The Plague of Frogs, I think, is the first. The first. Plague of Frogs, that's it. Plague of Frogs is so long. So long. I'm way behind because I have a trade. Hell on Earth, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll forgive you for not remembering all these stories because we don't. But Kevin I, does. I don't That's the that. gift. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, Kate, Kate well, there's good the stuff in there. Or as the best artist in the group, you have you can pull rank on us at any time that you want. My brother is also an artist. I don't mean to do this. Oh, not really. But as, I'm better than you still. As the <laughs> I'm not. I I mean I doodle on notepads. I think that's not an artist. That counts. That counts. Kate, as uh, Will is programming me a power source because I did not charge anything last night. Um, <laughs> you want to cover... Uh, we're going to start it's talking like about our issue. It's like 7.30 in the morning, listeners. Uh, 7.56. Holy yeah. shit. Let's go. Let's keep uh, going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's uh, Can we touch... Would you want to give us uh, the release dates and the credits? Just who, who colored this? Just those um, details about the almost colossus. Of course, like written and illustrated by Mike Mignola and then colored by James Sinclair. And David Stewart was the color separator, lettered by Pat Brousseau, edited by Scott Alley. And yeah, originally published Hellboy Almost Colossus number one and two in June and July of 1997. I can't believe we get to do this one. This is a, one of the all time great Hellboy stories. It's really sweet. That's when I graduated college. Congrats, college boy. What a time. Hey. Don't bring your fancy learning around here. In this town, we like to learn stuff by doing, not by book learning. That's probably why I had switched to trade so quickly, because it was so hard to uh, collect single issues when I was in college, that it was much easier to catch up with trades. Uh, and this stuff reads greatest trades. Yeah, I've only read um, Hellboy as trades. I literally... Me Kate, too. <laughs> Kate just gave me a gift uh, of Seed of Destruction issue too um and that's the first time i've ever been really personally in the vicinity of a hellboy (laughs) comic so i'm glad you like other than like the newest newest ones of course but they're yeah sorry i'm holding this over your port pretty great uh let's look at the covers real fast check this out these are great uh because there's only two issues when they originally released i it can only find digital ones which i was really surprised they didn't like do any reprints of them even in the library editions 
but they I like the covers. I think they're pretty cool. Let's look at um, issue one. It's really cool. Uh, just Hellboy sort of looks like he's sneaking along. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> covers of Hellboy art always look more ominous than the character is. They always kind of emphasize the noir aspect. It's like Hellboy in his trench coat looking like a gumshoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this cover shows uh, the homunculus, uh, the I- eponymous homunculus in, shadowed in the background. Uh, looking like a super villainous dude. Yeah, with a big sort of uh, artifact or um, I think like a wall carving or something. Or carving, like that. yeah. I guess like that, that was in the alchemist's lab when in. Um, oh right, yeah. in Wake the Devil, Wake where the devil. he was awoken. Yeah, I agree with you. They are they're definitely more ominous than what you're the fun you're gonna the, the amount of fun you're gonna have when you read these issues. There's also a bit of a. Um, uh, movie poster feel to a lot of them. Like this one feels like a movie poster, this first issue. For sure. Just sort of things laid over each other, maybe not in the same location at the same time. Definitely. And I love how long his gun is. Very dirty Harry, <laughs> but even ex- more, I think even dirty Harry would pick that up and go, this barrel's too <laughs> this long. <is> excessive. <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, I love, uh, what I would love to find, I love the name <laughs> of the short the or like the back issue story of this called Optopsy and B-flat. I just want to I want to see if we can find that because it just sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the second issue really action-packed. Really exciting, I think. With a giant hand gripping Hellboy. Yeah. I mean, that's. I also love white backgrounds for comic book covers. They make everything pop. For sure. Uh, It's Hellboy squirming in the hand of a giant. uh, It's kind of like a weird King Kong moment where there's this huge creature gripping, but instead of a damsel in distress, it's Hellboy. Yeah, he's having a hard time. And we, we know how tough Hellboy is, so this is definitely a threat if yeah. he's he's having a hard time getting free. <laughs> Check out those abs on Hellboy. Ooh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hellboy's jacked. Abs crafted his- in hell. <laughs> Will's always looking for- I'm self-conscious about my body, and I'm always impressed even when fictional characters have their physical wow, act together. I wonder what he eats. <laughs> What's the carb diet on yeah. Hellboy? What are your macros, Hellboy? Do, do, do demons have different metabolism? Can they just go nuts on bread and it's cool? <laughs> That's the one trade-off. You are damned, but you get to eat as much bread as you want. I'll take it. One time I asked Jessica, I said, uh, I asked my fiance, I was like, would you cut off a finger if you could have abs forever without trying? And she almost cut me off to say yes. And then I I was like, a thumb? And she said, Caitlin, I would cut off my hand to do that. Oh my God. She's dedicated, man. Not dedicated. She's so dedicated to being not dedicated to working out. Yeah, she's she so devoted it. to finding an easy way. I think she was being a little silly also, but it I was cut just... cut off a it, finger. I wouldn't go whole hand. No, no. We're talking left hand, your off hand? I don't know. You think about it. I would give my right hand index finger, but which is like the best one. But then after that... Then you get you only get those top four abs. You don't get those coveted bottom two. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, I'd go with my left. It'd have to be off my left. <laughs> I feel <laughs> real confident with my right. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> no. How this happen? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into, yeah, let's issue. Get into the issue. Uh, we're goofy in the morning with, yeah, with the Heinz brothers. <laughs> Uh, great. I love, I love the opening of this story. I think this story just, I think I, I, we've been reading Wake the Devil, which came right before this. And this sort of ties up loose ends, um, which Mignola says in the, 
he kind of talks about that's he this story was written just to tie up loose ends and he really liked the humongous um character and he wanted to bring that back he always also talked about how he was going to kill liz in this yeah but another uh artist glenn mirakami yeah who did like uh, did the, the superman, superman cartoon show yeah the art director he pleaded and like was so sad with Mignola <laughs> about him killing Liz that he was shamed into keeping the character. So that's pretty cool. And I'm, uh, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Liz is such a strong first character out the gate. It's like, why would you get rid of her? Yeah. Um, but I like this. I just think he got back a little simpler. Like, because Wake, the, I don't know if you guys have recently read Wake the Devil. Great story. Really heavy. Like, he, it, it goes from like Seed of Destruction being sort of simple, less words, more visuals. And then out the gate on Wake the Devil, I was like thrown when we were talking about it because I was like, there's so much exposition in here. So I sort of loved how we're back to just sort of less. We get like some backstory to catch us up, but it's a little smooth. I think it's very smooth. I mean, Mignola hasn't been writing that long. He's been an artist for a long time, but like he's probably still trying to figure out how to write. Yeah. He's got plots and ideas, but uh, telling them must have been a learning curve for him. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. So I think he's thrown everything in and now he's just, he is definitely finding his voice as a writer. Uh, but cool, we start, the issue just opens up with them in the hospital or like a facility, not a hospital, like an institute and. Uh, Romania, where we had last last left off, wake the devil, and Liz is sick. Yeah, we're learning that Liz Sherman is dying. Liz Sherman, the pyrotechnic, the sad, uh, depressive, paranormal human who has the ability to just create fire and who burned her own parents and family down by accident and who has problems with self-hatred. So cool. Um, <laughs> who is a chain smoker, even though, so she's always lighting matches, even though she herself is a human matchstick. Yeah. Um, is dying. Well, that just shows how little power she has at the moment, too. I think she has to light a match for the first time. She's usually lighting it when she's got her finger out or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, just an awesome 90s babe, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and we learned that she's dying because she put most of her life energy into an artificial body that was found on a recent BPRD mission. The, the homunculus of the, or not, not of the title, but of the, just he's referred to as a homunculus. And it's the place where I learned that word, this issue. I'd never heard of the word homunculus before. I'd heard it in Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, this Canadian teenager oh. show that like <laughs> is very fun if you check it out. It's cool. Uh, um, yeah. I'm finding about this podcast that a lot of these words I've never said out loud until we're on the podcast. So I stumble over them and then yeah. Kate gets them off. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> man. <laughs> sometimes we get emails correcting both of us, which is fine. I encourage that. Please tell me. Yeah, when I sound please bad. tell us. I mean, I won't know. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, and then we they're told they're, they want to find the humongous. That's their plan, the BPRD, to hopefully reverse this, get her power from, because she has apparently given her power to this creature. That's what's killing her. And they're going to, they have a team set out to find it, yeah. get the power, put it back in Liz and save her. Um, Abe Sabian is very concerned. Yeah. He's oh, can I just forever. say I did like yeah. this dour Romanian doctor who like immediately is like, 
medicine doesn't know what's wrong with her. She's just missing something. <laughs> yeah. It was just so funny for a doctor to say something like that. I agree. It really, I felt bad because this comic book is far better than what it, what it made me think of. Was it made me think of episode three of the Star Wars series where they're like, why? <laughs> oh, Leia dying. And they're like, they're dying. What? We don't know. Or like heartbreak or something. Yeah, it's like, sadness. oh God. <laughs> it's like, and then I was like, nope. That's your better. diagnosis, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love how protective Abe Sapien is of Liz. Like the doctors are sort of ready to write Liz off. Like, look, we can't do anything. She's dying. And Abe, our fish man, our shape of water, noble man who is centuries old, is like, is not going to give up on Liz for anything. Yeah, he's the Glenn Murakami of this one right here. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm so much more familiar with the more recent stuff now that I, I I know they're very close now, but I just assumed it was something that was built because they've been together for so long. And seeing this, I'm like, oh, he those two were close immediately. Yeah, I think it's implied that they've Even been working Liz. together for years and years too. It's like they've gone on these missions together, and I'm sure like as another person with powers on in the BPRD, he's probably like, I don't want to, I don't want to be the only freak in this crew. Yeah, they're both self-hating a little bit too. Unlike Hellboy, who seems comfortable in his skin, those two seem not comfortable in their skins. Definitely. So they probably bond over that. And also I think Abe, if he's been there as long as he has, Liz came in as a kid. So I think he's been there like as she's grown up too a bit, right? Yeah. That's what I would assume. So there's definitely a bond, a deep bond between them. This is a great recap of Wake the Devil since it's been a while since I read it. It does lay out all the necessary information I need to remember from that story because I forgot all of this. Yeah, it works better than an asterisk to the last, you know, issue or whatever. Yeah. It lets lets you kind of catch up right here. Yeah. And it feels visually fresh. Like it doesn't feel like they just pulled because sometimes flashbacks, especially movies and sometimes comics will just do like, you can tell they sort of just pulled the reprint and they reprint like the story a bit. This one feels like, Oh, this is new art, even though it's telling us the same thing occurred and it really keeps it nice and tight. I love it. So what happens next? Like they decide in order to save Liz, they have to go find this creature that she put all her life energy into. Right. So like even though Liz is the sort of emotional inspiration for this adventure she does not go on the adventure it's mm-hmm. it's it's hellboy and some bprd people right even abe doesn't go am i right on that yeah abe doesn't leave yeah abe stays with Liz. it's just hellboy and kate uh corrigan who have gone her a fun crew yeah just two people yeah. also st august they were great i mean like a lot of these i think like a lot of hellboy adventures they don't know if they've they're just going to look for him they assume they'll find him and then they can call in reinforcements but of course hellboy always gets sucked into the fight too quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he usually f- falls through a floor. That's pretty much his it's classic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, exactly what happens in the story. Yeah, he, yeah. I think there's, uh, there, ha- there have been more issues than not where he falls through a floor of yeah. some like dilapidated old building. One of the great uh, contrasts in Hellboy stories when Magnolia draws it, probably when anybody draws it, but it's especially true. And when Mike draws it, I think is, the contrast of the background imagery, which is usually these ominous, looming statues and runes and religious symbols or arcane, um, infernal symbols, graveyards and, and owls with big yellow eyes. And the contrast of close-ups on them and then like Hellboy saying something, you know, tossed off. Like here, yeah. they're in a graveyard here. So we see these shots... Uh, of cool, gloomy statues. And then like a close-up on Hellboy being like, I've seen some funny stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this whole part is them just discussing, like, why are there missing bodies from this grave? And he's hinting at that, like, he could have pulled, he could have... Somebody could have been lonely. Yeah, he could have yeah. been fucking these, these corpses. He's like, gross. Like, gross. <laughs> he's like, I've seen it. Being gross, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, I agree. It's a great uh, thing to call out. Yeah, he's uh, noticing, he's noticing the coffins have been ripped open by hand, and he's like, let's, you know, ask the locals what's going on. The locals are pretty forthcoming with their information. Like, they're like, who are you, please? Americans? Like, to ask Hellboy this is just... I love really- that they're more weirded out that Hellboy is an American yeah. than that he is a seven-foot-high devil creature. Big red guy. Yeah. I love in the comics that it's never really made a big deal about what he looks like. Uh, it's a big deal in the movies. And uh, we talked briefly about the movies before we recorded. And I always, it always bugged me. I understand why you would do it. It's hard not to talk about it. But I liked in the comics, it's just like, oh, yeah. And one of us is a devil. We're not going to really get into that. Yeah. But yeah. these townsfolk also, it's like, it, it kind of sounds like they see, they've seen some stuff. Like this is. Yeah, but this has got to be crazier than most anything. It must be crazier. Yeah. But I, <laughs> they had a vampire problem, though, before. <laughs> it's true. In, back in 69. I know, but vampires look like you and me. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like a vampire could just be a weird dude who uh, has an odd diet. This is a red giant monster with a huge fist and a tail. (laughs) But it's such a cool... An uh, odd diet. It's one of the main things that makes Hellboy so good, especially in the short stories where the BPRD team with Hellboy is like in some South American village investigating some haunting and there's some old couple who's tortured by a ghost and Hellboy has arrived to ask them questions. They're never thrown off. They're like, oh, thank God you've come without knowing who he is. We're glad there's help. Uh, here, here's our situation. And they always yeah. just talk to him. I mean, there is an X-Men quality to Hellboy, which is the freaks are the heroes and the freaks are a family and the freaks will take care and guard each other. And it's one of the things that made Chris, Chris Claremont's X-Men so alluring to teenagers, which is like, you know, you make your own family and the BPRD has a love amongst itself. And I think outsiders in the story always sense it and respect these guys. It's effing cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't want to go more into that other than that's my big separation and why the movies sort of, I lose the movies is that I, they put it in, they give it that whole, they lean too hard into oh, everybody hates Hellboy, but he's the hero. And I'm like, nah, that's not what I love. I like it being in a world where he's just accepted and because yeah. there's other issues at hand that I think are bigger and more fun to deal with. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then this next page on the mountain leading up to when we meet the Humungulus and the, the cross in the mountains, Mignola says that this is all inspired by the original Frankenstein films. That's what he was going for. And it's like, oh, when I started rereading it, I was like, oh, I totally see it. Even though I've only seen images, never those movies. It's really visually beautiful. At least the, um, I watched it really recently, actually. And it was, yeah, I, at least this, like, the lightning, of course. Um, and this kind of, like, father Frankenstein, like, Dr. Frankenstein kind of figure that we see for, like, a second in here. Yeah, and... Uh, Mignola has now done a Frankenstein miniseries in, within the Hellboy universe. I have not read it, so I'm curious how that's different than uh, this Humunculus. Hum, yeah, Homunculus. <laughs> I think it's Homunculus. Is that? Is that I think right? you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So. I'm gonna call him Roger because that's what his name becomes. It's just so much easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love when he eventually becomes a Roger. That is the most Hellboy thing to find this looming 
artificial, scary-looking monster. It's like, your name's Roger. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, but this is cool. I like this little, like, uh, backstory of him meeting his brother. Just uh, And, um, and it, like, they really, even though it's, like, sort of a coincidence that they're there at the same time, but they really, with the backstory, it's like, oh, this guy's been looking for his brother for so long, and it's super creepy that he's in a white hood when we first meet him. That's even more. I even find the black, the white hood, more terrifying than when he reveals his his like face. Even though that's sort of presented as like worse, mm. I'm like, Ugh. like a ghost quality to it. There's a, I think unintentional like KKK, just sort of like evil brotherhood thing. Yeah, the the white mask is like a death mask or something. Yeah. So when we we reveal this malformed face i'm always like whew what a relief yeah (laughs) (laughs) we learned the story of these guys which is that some dr frankenstein person centuries ago created life the older brother was version one and he kind of is deformed and didn't quite work so the dude just threw him down a well like poisoned him him and tossed him away yep Mm -hmm. uh that's creating a super bad guy yeah (laughs) Uh, and then the second attempt is a little bit cleaner, more organized looking dude, which is the dude that Liz put her life energy into. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call them evil, evil dude and sweet dude, because that's, that's what they turn out to be. So evil dude is our, is, has found his brother, sweet dude and <laughs> wants to team up and do some shit. <laughs> yeah. I love too in the backstory that the evil dude found their father in a prison because he was already being like on trial for Nick use uh, what is it called uh, whatever he's on trial just for just like d- making abominations things. probably yeah. and he During kills him but he like rips he takes his necklace that's how he knows that there's brothers necklace that he had yeah. of him his brother their father would wear but he also ripped a key out of his stomach yeah to find all of his formulas and plans to make new life how do you keep it in there like how do you keep it in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very. How do you keep that in there? Like just moments before, <laughs> it didn't pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I wish I never asked. He has to. He reads. He keeps eat, re-eating it every time it comes out. I guess. Anywho, he rips it out of his guts, and then he's like, "Come on, brother. I'm gonna uh, show you. You know what, what's your deal?" He says he was. You know he was brought to life, and they used this electricity from a storm. Franken style to bring him to life. And now he was like sitting yeah, quiet. Sweet dude like ran out of energy. Sweet dude was brought to life by a lightning bolt. And then mm-hmm. when that energy ran out, he entered into sort of a permanent comatose state. Yeah. Which is where, where he was when Liz found him and brought him to life. Yeah. And he senses her power. She puts it in. She like in touches him. He like kind of enthralls her and she like is drawn to him and, you know, wanted to get rid of these powers anyway. And yeah, like deposits her powers into this thing. Yeah. And I think it's his guilt that really puts you on his side and makes him sweet is because he, he feels guilty about of dipping too deep and taking Liz's power. Yeah. It's very, the contrast between the two is Im- immediately evident. Evil yeah. dude is full of vengeance and anger for what's been done to him, which is emotionally justified, but he's become bad. And sweet dude is, he's an honorable man. Yeah. He is a code of honor. It's the Magneto. Doctor, you know, it's Professor X kind yeah. of a thing. Totally. They were both they were both left for dead, but uh, they took it differently. Evil dude wants to dominate humans and I love how Evil Dude, right from the beginning, is so intent on finding his brother yeah. and like having somebody else. He's very lonely. Like even uh uh during this recap, uh 
<laughs> Sweet Dude says, you killed your creator? And his response is, our creator. Like, it's very important to him that they are brothers. Yeah. He really wants his brother to be in on it. Like, that's super important to him. Because there's nothing else like them. Well, I wish you treated me that way. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I will rip the key from our father's stomach <laughs> and find all of his Cleveland Browns memorabilia. And then with that, we shall rule the world. I was saving the question of who is going to be, who's evil, who's sweet. <laughs> I am evil. Which of the Heinz brothers yeah. is? Oh, my God. He <laughs> really showed it. <laughs> Shut up. I was left in the Shut well. Up. I was left in a well. Not a literal well. Now you're in a literal well. You were left in a well. You climbed out to do improv. <laughs> That's right. I had to find yeah. the improv stage on my own. And then I brought my homunculus brother. <laughs> Puny humans. Give us a suggestion of anything at all. Now we shall do a Laurent. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, so we, we cut back to BPRD, right? We, yeah. we now we know that now we know the story of the two artificial bodies. So the BPRD is like sniffing around creepy castles, as is their way, trying to find the story. And they find this um, old uh, monastery. They find like Dracula's grandson's old place. Yeah. And <laughs> just throw that up. It's all disheveled now, but it's a uh, yeah. The t- the the townie explains that uh, townie explains that the, <laughs> the townie <laughs> that there were a bunch of monks, uh, you know, turning crosses <laughs> upside down and being evil in there. So people burn them alive in there. And he's like, "Don't go in there. Bad stuff happens." Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, you uh, you get like a cool like drawing of this like Byzantine devil looking uh, guy. And then, uh, yeah, he's like, don't go in there. So, of course, like cut to Hellboy and Kate walking up the lawn. <laughs> lawn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't listen to the yeah, townie. Yeah, they're like, we know what's up. We know what's going on here. Because he talks about smelling of burning yeah. bodies and like how people avoid the place. Yeah. And then he's like, somebody's cooking. Somebody's as they cooking. Walk in the <laughs> We get awesome ivy-covered carvings and things. A little homunculus, uh, like one of the ones that Evil Dude yeah. talked about, how he made these like rudimentary homunculi mm-hmm. from the notes from his like father, his creator. So we got you know the first little sight sighting of this creepy little guy. Yeah, and I love this big panel because they just walk right into this big steel structure in the middle of like these old this old building, and yeah. it's just a question mark is the only. Word bubble. I think it's a great panel. ominous pointy hooks everywhere. No, <laughs> he loves pointy hooks. He loves it. He loves chains. He loves you know. I feel like once an artist really like nails chains, they're like, oh, these are going everywhere, <laughs> all over this thing. Um, so so we yeah. get to our first fight, right? Which is like Hellboy, of course, falls through a floor, ripped mm-hmm. by a monkey humunguli. Yeah. Yeah, but that's right after Kate gets sort of thrown into a noose. And this is what I was talking about. I had this moment of like, you got to save her. Hellboy. Yeah. Well, you get that little shot of her like bringing her hand up. So you're like, it's like, okay, maybe she's not getting fully strangled right now. Like, but she would have to be very strong to still. Yeah. Yeah. But I really feel like when I first read it, I was like, I don't know who this is. Who cares? And now I, I care so much about him getting back to help her that, you know, she handles herself. Really well, but yeah, it doesn't look good for her. Yeah, it looks like she's going to die in this story. And we had other people die in the previous Hellboys, so it's like it's very plausible that we're about to lose. I hope not. The the main scientist dies in the first story, right? What's his name? Uh, uh, Bruton, Bruton. Oh, yeah, Broom, his father. And yeah, a BPRD member died in the issue previous to this one. And like at the beginning of this issue, the like the 
them explaining to Abe, like, that's just a fact of life. People die. So you're like ready for somebody to be gone in this Mm -hmm. episode or issue. Yeah. The non Hellboy characters are red shirts. I mean, I expect them to die. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. So he tells her, hang on. Classic fall through the floor. Bunch of swarming little homunculi around him. We have a little action sequence where Hellboy gets to punch a bunch of dudes, which he's great at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, I, I, I like in Hellboy, the bad guys are usually super bad. So you don't feel any remorse when Hellboy just starts beating the crap out of them. Yeah. Like he's these dudes are just like little minions, little minion. Evil yeah. dudes. <laughs> he starts swatting them like crazy. It's some beautiful art of Hellboy going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. As he's falling, it's really great. And when we cut back to BPRD to see, so Hellboy's temporarily sort of like overwhelmed. We cut back to BPRD and we see Liz and Abe watching over her and she's just sick and you used to see Abe's love for her uh, as a friend. Uh, well, maybe it's romantic at some point, but um, he just wants his friend to be all right. And, yeah. and she's not doing well. Yeah. And I love it's just done in a silent, um, a basically silent two pages. There's only one b- bit of dialogue and literally it's just the head of B- BPRD saying it can't be long now. Yeah. And it's like, but it's like, also it's like, that's either he's hinting at, it can't be long for her to go or for them to show up. And it's just so just lingering. I feel like he's, I I think he's he's implying death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she drops her cigarette and it's out. It's implied. She's on her lash. Yeah. It's great. And then cut back to the castle or the ruins of the monastery. I can't believe he was going to kill Liz in this story. That would have been such a sad ending to this story. I know. It just would have sucked. Like, I mean, I I guess if he wanted to like push Kate as a stronger character, but like, I mean, I don't know. It would have, it would have sucked. She is a great character. Like it, I guess she's so like miserable and like he like makes her, it makes it feel like he, he wants her to die so much, but like keep that character alive. Like keep that yeah, maybe he's trying to follow that thing of like Liz just not liking her gift so much and she wants to die. But it, we like her too much. I'd rather see her. We want to see her overcome that and become yeah. better. Because it doesn't feel like a moment where she, it feels like a moment where she's tempted to give up her powers and she want like, it, but she hasn't killed herself up to this point and she's killed like her family and 30 other people and like just continues to quit over and over again, continues to quit the BPRD over and over again. Like, I feel like there's something holding her here still. So, you know, it, it kind of doesn't make sense to kill her at this point. Like it, it just, yeah, she's got more stories to tell. Yeah. Uh, so Hellboy, we cut back to Hellboy. He's in the basement of this like castle complex and there's, he's made a makeshift torch and uh, a really cool thing happens, which he stumbles on the skeletons of the monks yeah. of the monks who used to run this place. And then in a great Magnolia esque, turn they just instantly sort of step up come to life and reanimate and help hellboy sort mm-hmm. of instinctively lead him along this is one of my absolute moments of this story best moments of this story yeah this is just that nonchalance i was talking about this i mean uh, it just shows how hellboy is not even yeah. phased it, when the skeleton starts talking to him he just responds yeah <laughs> there's not even a moment of like what's going on it's all right um thanks for offering your help let's get to this know. isn't the first time a reanimated skeleton has started giving him directions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, he talks to dead people so much in these stories. And these guys are also repentant too. Like for him to, you know, he's like, you know, he's kind of living this life of like, like he's kind of going against this, what everybody has told him is his fate. And he like looks horrifying. So like he kind of takes these guys for, he lets them talk and they're like, 
He treats so, everybody like a person until they prove otherwise. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, the monks kind of tell about how they, you know, it's like we were, we profaned God and we were punished and we could have left, but we didn't because we were so sorry. And he's like, yeah, like you could help by helping me find a way out of here. They all get up and point. Hey, good job, buddy from Hellboy. Thanks, guys. See yeah, thanks, ya. Good job. <laughs> thanks, guys. Like, he's being real chatty and chummy with them. It's, yeah. It's really lovely. Um, the, the other big tenet of Hellboy, and this is the most obvious thing ever, um, is that his he is a good man because he was raised by a good man. Uh, mm-hmm. Trevor Broom, the scientist who was on hand when Hellboy materialized as a baby, you know, there were uh, scientists in that group who were like, kill it. It's a devil, you know, kill it now. And Trevor's like, no, sensed good in it, raised him. And that father-son relationship, and Trevor was right, like, treat treat this creature like a good man and he will be one yeah and he's always always lived up to that like he instantly took to the professor's fatherly love and so there's something just very he hellboy himself is a model of you get what you give and if you treat something well it becomes well and he sort of lives that way he you know hellboy doesn't count an infernal creature out unless they do something bad yeah i think like and that's like i think to have the initial stories of the like to be surrounded by like nazis during his creation and everything like this idea of like <laughs> of like of being like you know just like so like nazis thinking that jews are inherently bad from birth right. and like for right. him to be like assumed to be inherently bad from birth but then like obviously Obviously not. Like it's just uh, yeah, the, the yeah. central the central theme of Hellboy is you choose who you are. Yeah, and if you you can choose to be good, and there is always time for redemption, but you have to choose to do it. But if you do do it, other good people will help you. And um, and just that you're that's, not that's what inherently makes him bad, insanely heroic. I mean, he's one of the great heroes of comicdom. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we cut back to our two homunculi <laughs> hanging around. We have a sweet dude, yeah. evil dude. Yeah. Evil dude is showing his little brother his plans. He's got a little painting of two brothers with a phoenix, I guess, behind them. Like, you know, just in case you were... <laughs> like when he first walks into this uh, huge cavernous room with his like crucible of whatever you don't know yet. And then you see like behind, in the background of this like giant bird with two brothers embracing each other. Kevin, like, I'm going to give you that for Christmas. A huge <laughs> floor-to-ceiling-sized <laughs> mural of the of two the of two us. Of and I'll draw our other brother, Brian, as a little bird <laughs> rising from the ashes. Very nice. It's incredible. That sounds like a good gift. Yeah, I'd like that. We got skulls littering the floor, um, like had, like butcher knives and things like that. Uh, just great, fun little details. Yeah, and it's just the evil dude just telling all sweet dude, like his big master plan is that they'll be they're going to end up, he's created a bigger monster, a giant, that they will be the brain of and yeah. control and take over the world as his it, plan. It's funny, like he's melted down these bodies and that's what he's making it out of. Oh. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. It probably it's smells more, so bad in there. <laughs> molten human. Molten, molten human is a really awful phrase. Yeah. yeah molten human. <laughs> sweet guy, sweet dude is uh, horrified by this. Yeah, evil dude can't wait to show off to his brother <laughs> yeah. that he has a whole vat of molten human. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and I love Kate here watching all this, talking to the little tiny uh, uh, monster, just going, who's the idiot? I know. I love it. <laughs> and him correcting, oh, no, no, the master. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, she just made a mistake. Your <laughs> <laughs> idea is so funny, like, how casually they address these in- crazy things. Like, who's, yeah. like, her response to a guy, one Frankenstein's monster telling another Frankenstein's monster, look at my vat of molten human. Kate Corgan's response is, who's the idiot? Who's this idiot? <laughs> she knows. She's seen things go wrong. She's like, you guys aren't going to, no one's going to let you do that. <laughs> Evil dude wants to toss Kate into the mix. Sweet dude's like, no, I can't. Uh, and I love this little part because what really stops him is a connection he's, it's like a connection or a remembrance of Liz and the power that he has still in her. Because she says no, it's cutting back to where he killed Waller and she says he's got, no. Like, he's got any humanity like he's because they're because homunculi are made from like herbs and milk and like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they're not like I guess like this other one never had this like touch of humanity injected into him or whatever. Sure. Um, so, yeah, this one feels a lot more. Uh, I don't know. This is my comic book logic. I love uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then he stops his brother by, uh, or stops the little guy by hitting him. Yeah, punching him out. But then you get a he's, cool, like, fiery punch. That's yeah. Neat. Again, that through, you see that action line, him him going all the way through. We got some, like, good comic basics here. Yeah, it's a good comics fundamental. You have to show the punch at the, at its origin or its at end, the end, right? Yeah. Like you're never showing the impact of it. You're showing the result. Yeah, the punch has already happened. It's just more effective. Um, it looks so great. Yeah. And I love this because he stops to check in with Kate and then just out of nowhere, a big old rock hits him in the yeah, head and knocks talks him out. A rocket this man. And then it's revealed, Hellboy! Yeah. <laughs> Coming through a wall. <laughs> An evil dude can't believe it. He's like, oh my God, like everything's stopping me today. Like I can't, I'm having a bad day, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> my brother goes against me and now you. Now you. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you, it's like when you forget your keys at home and then you stub your toe. That's basically what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God, everything. What did I do? Um, yeah, how many millions will die for this outrage? So yeah, who's the skinny guy? <laughs> Same kind of like react, like yeah, cool nonplussed reaction from these dudes or from Hellboy. Because this is only uh, two issues long, this really feels like a quick action movie. Just sort of yeah, if it's a quick setup and then this huge battle sequence and then it's over. As opposed to like most Hellboy stories, which just are like the regular ones that are like four to six issues yeah. that have just a lot more exploration, a lot more backstory, and this one just gets to it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it just keeps going from here because once he he's clearly activated his ability to turn into the giant. They literally grab the Hellboy grabs Kate and the Humungulai follows. They just or Humungulus. They jump out of this tower. Yeah. <laughs> just, Hang on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, baby. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great voice for it. I will say Ron Perlman's voice does work really well for me as a Hellboy. I can hear it in lines like that. Yeah, yeah. he's the perfect he was the perfect casting of for Hellboy, hundred percent. Whatever's wrong with the movies, that casting is not one of them. Yeah. He was a great idea. For sure. And then, oh, a cool splash page to reveal our... So beautiful. Colossus. Evil dude has assumed residence in his new body. Yeah. (laughs) A super giant Frankenstein's monster creation crushing the castle. It's a shame whenever we lose one of these old European castles, though, guys. We should take... I know. Hellboy has destroyed or witnessed the destruction of so many creepy castles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, we were introduced to him like 
fighting a frog creature and smashing into artifacts that broom capped. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, this huge body just immediately, I, again, I love how bad the bad guys are. Yeah. Uh, the good guys are so good and sweet and protective. The good guys in Hellboy comics are like the best policemen you could ever dream of. Duty before all, brotherhood. But the bad guys are so bad. And this one is no exception. In, in his new <laughs> giant body, <laughs> he's running after Hellboy and he exclaims, God is coming. <laughs> Smashing. <laughs> so good. He's like, yeah, yeah. Like Hellboy's heard it all before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hellboy's response is just, God's too slow. <laughs> I love it. Just undermining him, not intimidated at all by the <laughs> drama and size. And I love this, like the big laughter and the close up of this mouth. Like I just imagine, like a big, overly like slow, like <laughs> like kind of, uh, just like booming and like deafening you. He does an incredible job of not letting you forget the scale of this creature because a close up of its head could make him seem just normal size, but by zooming in on that mouth and almost any time you see him, the Colossus. There's at least somebody in the foreground or something in the foreground to remind you that it's enormous. Giving you the scale, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And then he's kind of like, he's not hiding behind this tree, but he lets he lets the he lets the giant rip this tree, like just snap this tree trunk in half. And then he chucks it at him. He <laughs> chucks it at his neck. Yeah. Um yeah. Now now God has a tree in his neck. But Hellboy is losing. Like that's key. Like Hellboy is super strong and normally he can outpunch these dudes, but this guy uh has Hellboy in his grip, which is the image on the second cover. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Hellboy's gonna lose without help. Yeah, because he's about to get a smart ass remark off right at the bottom of uh of the page and he's like, Do your worst, you son of a and he goes in and you hear a crunch and Hellboy lets out like a word of pain, like, ah! Yeah. And it's like, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> Hellboy's really... That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no. No. And the dude is about to pulverize, uh, our Colossus evil dude who has Hellboy in his grip is about to pulverize him. And then uh, the big the big turn happens. Yeah, sweet dude comes to save the day, or at least to be kind of trick him in by saying that he's like, "Hey, I, I, I now understand. I didn't understand the power that I had. I'm ready to join yeah, you." He, he he baits him. He I love the beginning of the speech that got you know, giant giant colossus is about to crush Hellboy, and right at the last moment, uh, Roger, uh, the nice <laughs> younger homunculus, says, "Brother." And which is the one word that would uh, get his attention because yeah. this other dude has been wanting his brotherhood the whole time. This is this is a good this is our me and Kevin's relationship. Right. I'm always <laughs> wanting Kevin to admit that he's my brother and join me in my infernal plans. And I'm not sure we're related. I don't think we're related. I think we're too different. I don't want to take over the world with you. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> we shall do heralds on the backs of humanity. <laughs> Uh, but even here, like there's a shot of Roger saying, uh, please say it's not too late for me. And it's like Roger's like uh, shoulders and head. And it's a close up of the Colossus's eye. Again, it's just like it really hits their size difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just appealing to his, you know, that's everything that he's sensitive about his brother and being, you know, uh, he just wants like you were saying, uh, Kevin, it's like they, he just doesn't want to be alone in this really. Yeah. Roger sensed that and feeds into it really well. Sure. That big eye panel 
Reminds me of old Keith Giffen comics, Ambush Bug stuff, Kevin. And it, and also Jose yeah, uh, Munoz, the Latin American uh, comics guy that inspired Keith Giffen a lot. Yeah, big eye panels always make me think of Ambush Bug. Uh, look all those names up, listeners. <laughs> Ambush Bug's funny. I feel, like, I feel like people must know Ambush Bug if they're listening to this, I hope. <laughs> look it up if you don't, though. Just Ambush Bug, close up of his eye saying, time for a big eye panel, another big eye panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Perpetually breaking the fourth wall. Here we go. So, uh, sweet dude is like, Yeah, I want to join you. He goes down the elevator of this thing's throat or whatever. Yeah, he climbs he's into like, the mouth. He's like climbing into the mouth to get peacefully swallowed. And then, yeah, I'm not sure of the science behind this colossus. <laughs> yeah, I guess just join. I don't know. He's, he's willingly like, devoured as a. Yeah. Yeah, the science of it is supposed to be that he's going to join him in this body, but I guess it's more metaphorical. Like, I will totally. Because mm-hmm. the older brother, the Will of this Colossus, the Will Hines of this Colossus, has melted himself into molten human and formed this creature. <laughs> Jesus. But the Kevin of this is just swallowed whole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're you're looking to be joined into my humongousness. Is it just like churning human, molten human in there, like lava in the center of this thing instead of like a digestive tract or something? Yeah. I'm not sure. You're not like a key that's going to have to get re- This turns out to be a Trojan horse trap because mm-hmm. once Roger is inside the giant's body, he ignites Liz Sherman's flame power that he's absorbed and yeah. sets everything on fire. Engulfs him. Yeah, and melts him down. He just dest- completely destroys the Colossus. And I love it because that's what all Hellboy's like, look out, that's boiling human fat. <laughs> and it gets yeah. gross. <laughs> <laughs> An accurate reaction to that, at least. Gross. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then he becomes just a giant, uh, just giant bones on the ground with this melted um, fat around him. But then they find that Roger has survived. Old sweet dude. Well, not before Hellboy looks at this huge giant skeleton covered in human burning <laughs> fat and goes, now that's really something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know he sees Kate, Kate, Kate Corrigan's <laughs> Yeah, Hellboy's not impressed. Yeah. Then <laughs> he noticed, yeah. Hey, that's our guy. <laughs> and we see the younger homunculus, the one who saved the day, has survived. But he, he, the Kevin Hines. But mm-hmm. Kevin Hines wants to die because he feels that he's he's full of shame for all the badness he's done. Again, the Kevin yeah. Hines of the story. I mean, at that point, Hellboy gets real upset because he wants to take him with him. Yeah. Clearly, this is just a communication problem, right, in the scene. Like, yeah. Hellboy just needs to explain that we could save that per- uh, Liz, but he's just yeah. so upset at this yeah. point. He knocks out. He punches the dude out. <laughs> um, and the dude, and Hellboy grabs Roger. Sweet dude. Roger's flame power starts setting Hellboy on fire. Hellboy doesn't care because he, and he basically gives him a stern talking to, which is yeah. like, basically y- you have to save Liz. Like remember yeah. where you got this power and mm-hmm. you owe her. Yeah. He's kind of saying like you, you, you're not done yet. Like you're so distraught that you're this abomination and for all the bad things that you've done, but you can, you, there's a little redemption for you still. Uh, if you come back here, well, he has no choice, but yeah. You know. And then we, but we 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 get to know Roger in future issues, and we know that he's a good dude that would have done this. And we we the end of the story here is back at the BPRD, back where Liz Sherman is dying. She's in a hospital bed. Abe, no, she is dead. They walk in and they officially say she just died. Oh God, <laughs> like that this day she's gone. And Hellboy is just so determined. He just goes like, "Listen, nobody's dead yeah. around here until I say you hear me. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I mean, what a he's just and he's just like Abe." 
and they take they take Roger right in. I love okay, Roger, and they're like, Roger? Hellboy named him in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and that name sticks. I mean, it's great. And, and you so- can just see that conversation too. Like, I'm gonna call you, you look like a Roger. <laughs> Probably in a, sm- a car. It's like I gotta get, I gotta, I need to give you a name. I don't know how to talk to you, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're definitely driving in like a car that's too small for Hellboy. <laughs> sure, I definitely see Hellboy loving a Fiat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, they're in Europe. Those are smaller cars. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Cramped. Uh, yeah. So he gets the homunculus to give her the juice. Um, they're really cool shot with the Kirby crackle engulfed in flame and energy. And she gets, Liz wakes up and in like, and Roger dies. Yeah. And then she gives the last line of this is so good. The last two lines, the last two panels, somebody read them. He says, so Hellboy's like, what about that humongous? And then I I forget his name, the the head of BPRD right now at the top of my head. I can't think of it. It's some scientist dude. Yeah, and he's a. We'll take him back to the states and give him to the lab boys. Maybe they can do something for him. Oh boy, good. In the end, all things considered, he wasn't that bad a guy. Which is that's the most Hellboy thing to say about. Yeah, him. yeah, he was all right. The and, end. Love a question mark on on the end. <laughs> all things considered, this you know inanimate object that was given life that destroyed his brother who was a giant. Wasn't that bad a guy? That was your takeaway? Hellboy, that was your takeaway from this? All right. right. This bundle of spices and goat's milk was pretty good. That's right. <laughs> this curdled bunch of things that an alchemist made is, is an all right dude. Yeah, so good. Yeah. He just- I forget how Roger, I forget how Roger comes back. I, I thought this was it. I totally forgot too. But he eventually becomes back and becomes an agent of the BPRD and a loyal member and is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. He's so great in the BPRD series. Yeah, and he gets a really cool vest. Yeah. He's such a humble dude. He becomes like a real sweet, almost childlike. Like he's just like, I don't know, so friendly. He's like the happiest of them all. It's a, 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 if I may be an annoying mansplaining comics nerd, even more than I already am, it's the, <laughs> Uh, the lesson that I learned from reading Sandman comics is that um, the best characters have super obvious like contradictions in them. Because in the Sandman comics, Dream, the main character, the Dream Lord, is the most Dream, who's like the the <laughs> represent. Uh, what are you laughing at? <laughs> this, is, this is a funny ta- conversation. Go on. How can I explain Hellboy in a way people understand it better? So the Dream Lord. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't think this is an inappropriate podcast to bring up the Dream Lord. <laughs> no, it, it isn't. It's just As very funny. Saying, <laughs> the Dream Lord, who is king of things fanciful and whimsical, himself is a serious and dour man. His sister, Death, who should be the harbinger of all horrible things, is a lively, happy, uh, full of vitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the god of destruction likes to create things. Um, uh, so... You know, de- delirium often says the most sensible things like that. That contradiction is what makes a good character. Hell- Hellboy is that contradiction and Roger is that contradiction. 
That's that's what I was going to say. Now join me. Well said. <laughs> join me in my plans. Hey, you're making a lot of sense. Ooh, we might join you after all. Let's Get in your mouth. Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, great. Well, we're going to steal this this next segment. We're going to steal from you guys' podcast. <laughs> we're going to do some awards. We're inspired by. Not <laughs> yeah. stealing from. Steal away. Everyone should steal. I was, we want our podcast to live on, so uh, do it. Anybody, let's start with you, Kevin, on these. Oh, then we'll just circle around. Um what first off? What is your favorite Mike yeah. Mignola dialogue from this issue? Okay, sure. Yeah, just or a line, or even if it's like a Hellboy dialogue or a line. Dialogue. Okay, I think my favorite dialogue is probably when he was talking to the skeletons, and he says, "Uh, see ya." <laughs> that awkward, like he's not going to see those guys again. That's a weird. Uh, uh, to say the awkwardness <laughs> of that conversation. I think belies the, the true awkwardness that he's talking to dead people. <laughs> it, you know, it's the same as when I say goodbye to somebody I just met on the street and gave directions to. And I go, well, see you around. I'm not going to see those people again. I don't know. It's very funny to me. Yeah. I'm, that was going to be my pick too. So we can skip mine on this one. Cause I, I think he captures the awkwardness in the, just the panel structure. And even the look of the skeletons as he's walking out, have sort of, <laughs> I know they have no eyes, but they're just like, all right. Uh, see, see, yeah. see how boys with their eyes are saying to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think my well, the fun. I I think what I liked like comedy wise was Kate's exchange with the homunculus of like who's the idiot? Oh no no no, the master. <laughs> like, not unkindly correcting her and being just thinking like oh no no not an idiot. <laughs> um, and yeah. then just like the exchange between the brothers at the end when he's like tricking him is a very bittersweet. Um, and then, yeah, I just like that one. Mine's the last, the last line of the story. All things considered, he wasn't that bad a guy. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. All right. Any f- favorite panels fa- or pages? Insane. There's so many to pick from. This is an no, impossible choice. It really I is. I am going to, I'll start it off. I'm going to go with, I just can't get over the panel of, of our Colossus melting and yelling no. I just think that has all that Kirby crackle in the coloring is just perfect. You really get the idea of that. That's just fat and oil melting and it looks so horrific and beautiful at the same time. I think I like um, where Abe is looking in on Kate and just the like really muted colors on that page too are are really nice because usually Kate is surrounded by these super or not like super vivid, but like vivid for a Hellboy comic to these like bright yellows and reds and stuff. And it's just kind of very almost monotone like colors in this one. And the ash like falling from the cigarette. It's just a nice quiet way to tell that. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's hard to not, even though we're picking art, it's hard to not be influenced by whatever point of the story it's communicating. So I'm going to pick mine when uh, Roger is bringing Liz back to life and he's like shocking her. It's like this act of redemption with the Kirby crackle that Kate pointed out. Um, it's beautiful and it's simple and it's powerful and it also represents a really, you know, our our, our girls being saved here mm-hmm. by a potential villain um, who himself is here because of an uh, Hellboy refusing to give up on anybody. That, that's my favorite. And I'm going to pick from the Colossus battle, the shot of the Colossus sort of leaning over through like the fog and the mist, pushing trees back as Hellboy sort of is crouching behind the trees. Uh, this is right after yeah. uh, God's so too slow and the Colossus laughing at him. It's a really terrifying moment. <laughs> Uh, then, and as I was complimenting all the scale stuff, it does also does another one that just shows such a great 
grasp of the size of that Colossus. These are all great picks. Beautiful highlights. Sort of <laughs> a lot of uh... yeah. Um, my highlight is um, is uh, I'm gonna say I didn't talk about this when we went through, but Hellboy is saying nobody dies until I say so. Yeah, like uh, such a hero moment and such a character defining moment. I'll, I'll, that's that's my highlight. That just like great highlight. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, uh, I like the um, the brother stuff. Will <laughs> silence. <laughs> Uh, I like the older brother being so hooked on, so desperate to have uh, Roger be his brother. Yes, I like that too. Um, so much like that. It's really clear from the beginning that's what he wants so bad. And Roger sort of keying into that at the right moment, sort of realizing like, you know, like Roger, I think says brother. He's like, that's the way to beat this guy. What does he want me to be? Yeah. Ugh, heartbreaking. That's how. That's how I'm going to defeat Will. I know he wants me to be his brother. So, what about you? What's your highlight? Um, I think I like, well, I mean, there are a lot of awesome things in this story. I think it's great. this is a pretty good, you know what? This is a pretty good Hellboy falling through the floor. There's a, there are a lot of them, <laughs> but I like all the little grasping homunculi hands and the, just like the detail <laughs> on his, on his like belt and all of his stuff too. Uh, and just like, he, I think he went like, usually they're pretty simple or they're like, there's silhouettes or something of him falling through, but he like w- must have just been in a mood and made a lot of detail on this this falling through the floor. Each sequence. falling through the floor is very different. That's the, they're unique. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't get sick of them. Great. Um, my highlight is I think just showing the relationship that BPRD has for each other, like that family, mm-hmm. and I think that really shows in that pay- whole page where Abe is just has his hand on the glass, looking in at Liz, who's clearly dying. Yeah, yeah. I just. And even the, the Hellboy and Kate and all that, but that just really captures it. The whole crew is yeah. the family. Yeah. Any lowlights? No, dude. <laughs> I can't. There's no real lowlights. They but don't exist in these comics. This is a great comic. Um, there aren't any huge flaws. I mean, the idea that Mike wanted to kill Liz is a low light. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. But it's nice too that he was convinced otherwise to be like the the reaction of his friend to be so sad and horrified and then he was like oh well oh okay i guess I will. <laughs> like i like his like willingness to change that i have a bit of an unfair low light and it's just that i could have used a little more kate somehow i would have liked to see her have a bit more of an active role that's yeah. I, I don't know what i would take away that's i guess a, a few years a, down the line they give it to yeah. you but it's like yeah it's, a, it's an unfair low light but i would you know maybe there could be something where she's the one who realizes that roger is a good person or something i don't know e- easy to say in hindsight yeah, i mean Hellboy sort of does everything in these early stories. Nobody else Heinz really does much. Ooh. <laughs> and yay. <laughs> I agree. I don't have a low light. I agree with both of those yeah. other ones. Um, we'd love to um, hear from you listeners um, please, about your thoughts on the whole issue. Email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Does anybody have any from reading this story or anything that just comes to mind that you would suggest to read, watch, or see to our listeners? Sandman, Seasons of Mists <laughs> trade paperback. You get to meet all the family, the endless family. Yeah, they're great. Sandman rules. Oh, and Frankenstein. I might have plugged Frankenstein last episode. You did. We both did. I did Young Frankenstein. You did Frankenstein. I'm just still high <laughs> off it. It's really great. The the novel or the comic book? The um the movie. The like yeah the movie. The um the Coppola movie. Uh, what's up? Which movie? The original Frankenstein. Nine. The original, black and white. Yeah, yeah. Boris Karloff. Yeah, the Karloff one. Got it. Yeah. It's great. 
Uh, Anything from you, Kevin? That's encyclopedia. Uh, inspired by this, no, not tremendously. Uh, there's a great Matt Kent story about a giant man. Uh, I think it's called the th- uh, is it the three story man or something like that. Uh, I'm gonna Google it real quick so I get the title exactly right. Uh, that's really fun. Uh, three story is what it's called. Yeah, the secret history of the giant man. So this is about a colossus. That's a giant man, Matt Kent. Uh, K-I-N-D-T. He's a great writer-artist. You should read that, everyone. Great. It's nothing like this in tone. (laughs) That's still great. I'm going to read that. And I'm going to, now that Kate has, Kate had to run because she was, it had to get to work on time. Um, We're closing out anyway. I am glad she's gone to not hear this. I don't think I've read that uh, ambush. What was it called? Uh, Ambush bug. I'm going to immediately go find it. Oh, you'll, you'll love it. <laughs> there is a, uh, it's all been collected into one collection or at least, uh, I think everything that Keith Giffen did. He's basically Deadpool before there was Deadpool in the sense of breaking, um, the fourth wall, but it's even more than that. Cause it gets very much. And he mostly just talks to the reader. I don't know. It's a weird comic. <laughs> it's very cool. silly. Very I'm fun. Very excited to read it. Um, anything you guys want to plug? The podcast, screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man, which we are hosts of. That's what I'd like to plug. Yeah. I don't know when this drops, how far we'll be into it, but go back to the first one and you can uh, listen to it and uh, read along with the first uh, 38 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I vouch for this podcast. It's one of my favorites and it's fun to read along with you guys. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. Great. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can follow us um, on Instagram at Ah Crap A Hellboy Podcast, Twitter, Ah Crap Hellboy. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, Kevin and Will, for taking the time out and being on this episode. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Your thoughts are so rich. (laughs) Thank you, and goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. going off (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I am so put together this morning (laughs) planning on sleeping until now (laughs) (laughs) normally (laughs) I would be at work (laughs) at home in my underwear Uh, I would love tell us more (laughs) (laughs) no no Hey everyone, I'm Holly Laurent, and I have a new podcast called Mega. Each week, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ross Kimball and Greg Hess. It's a fully improvised podcast existing in a fictional mega church called Twin Hills Community Church. Each week, we have a different comedian on playing a new character who works at the church. You can find us on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts, and I promise you, church is about to get a whole lot funnier. Campfire.